from mud to man to madness. This time, it's gone too far. The Evolutionary War, a cross-annual event beginning in April from Marvel. Welcome, dear listeners, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. I'm gonna make him a random banter he can't refuse. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me about random things, but only in a bantering way. Well, I'm gonna leave the banter. Take the cannoli. Hey! <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'm quite familiar with what that is from. That is an excellent, excellent choice. And if anybody does not know what that's from, you got some movies to watch, my friends. <clears throat> it's, it is in all of them. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it actually is. It is actually uh, in all three of them. Yeah. It, it's it, well, not only that, but also you. I can think of like you know, it's you've got the pastiche of it that is in like the Freshman, and that is in uh, Zootopia, and you, you've just seen yeah. that over and over and over and over. They they've utilized it. Yeah, it's because it you know it was in the first one, and then it kind of got ran with, and because yeah. a cultural kind of phenom kind of thing, where it's just like, oh hey, it's a it's it's an old meme. Let's just throw that in there, and and everybody can use it however they want in the future. Yep. But you cannot kill that meme. It is everywhere. Yeah, it's true. This is awesome news. This is our 50th episode. Yes. Yes, it is. So, I mean, technically, you could say it's 52 because we have a couple of Mephisto ones in there. Well, technically, um, and then, you and could. Technically, we could also say that we've also got some extra ones, too, because we do our Patreon. Yeah. But this is our 50th episode. On the main show. On the main show. Yes, 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 yes. So. With none of the extras. So, bravo to us. Bravo to us. We are half century. We are. Man, I'm feeling it in my bones. In fact, uh, I'm so proud of us for doing this that I wrote a song. Oh, dear. Yeah. So, I'm going to play the song for you and for everyone here. 50. 50. 50. I call that song 50. <laughs> it, it, don't, don't worry, don't worry. In post, I'll make that clapping sound like like it's like just a, a lot, lot, of lot of people. A pe- lot of people. Well, all just... of the people that that are in our live studio. Oh here. my goodness! I, we we got to pull back the curtain because mm. the curtain pulled back, and we are in a giant auditorium filled with very very quiet people. They're very polite. Thank you, audience. No problem. Yes, they are. They're all just amazed, amazed by that. Yeah, just yeah. in awe. They'll probably be in awe and, and just shocked, quiet by the quality of yes, that song. That, that was that was a <laughs> for the entire show. That was a, that was a little skit you did there. That was that was a little that was a little bit you did. A little there. bit. I, like, I did a little thing. I did a little thing. thing. I'm celebrating our fifty. Huzzah! <laughs> yes, uh, I think the everybody's fiftieth anniversary is a short, dumb song. I, I think so. Not paper or gold, but to create a bad song. <laughs> it, from now on, it will be. You know, yeah. <laughs> w- whatever this diamond celebration business is, it ain't gonna matter anymore. We we don't we don't care none about that. Exactly. We write our own rules. <laughs> 
getting back to all the random manager stuff, I, I know I put this on uh, Twitter and I had a couple different places in social media. And if you happened to watch the Longbox Crusade doing it live stream episode mm-hmm. oh, about a month prior to when this uh, episode has launched, then you probably saw me talk about it. But this last weekend, I went to the Imaging Comics partner signing at I Like Comics. I went down there. I did not have a ticket, which I kind of regret. Yeah, no ticket. No ticket. No ticket. So I was in the non-ticket line, and I got down there about 10 o'clock after dropping my daughter off at another comic book store to do a little art class, and stood in line there for about three hours Fun. with a few people, not moving, mm-hmm. and I was like, I, I got to go pick up my daughter. And the guys were really nice. They're like, come on back. We got your place. Went over, picked her up, came back. Got back to my place in line. They hadn't moved. <laughs> in total, I was there about four hours waiting in line. Aye. We finally got in, and the the artists who were there, by the way, were Todd McFarlane, Jim Valentino, Robert Kirkman, Eric Larson, Mark Silvestri, and Eric Stevenson. And they knew that they were, you know, running up against, you know, getting everybody in. So they said, we'll be here an extra hour. Really nice of them. That was the latest they could be there. And then they, you know, someone had to still catch their flights. Robert Kirkman came down the line. He was trying to get everybody signed. He was, so he was just walking down the line. And then Todd McFarland started to come down the line. Now, they were only signing one book each. So one of the guys that held my place said, hey, if your daughter, you know, comes back, I will pay her five bucks to hold on to this yeah. <laughs> other comic that I want Todd McFarland to sign. And we'll see if we can get him signed. I'm like, great, not a problem. So Todd McFarland's coming down the line. I'm like telling my daughter, hey, you know, put away this comic that you have and she had brought a comic that she had worked on with her cousin well hand you know it's like 20 pages it was like her and her cousin did a jam session over christmas break and they were both coloring and are they're both drawing and and writing the story little stapled together eight and a half by 11 piece of paper oh yeah 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 and just they did a lot of work on this so she had brought it to this class she went to and then she was looking at it in the store while we're waiting i was like go ahead and put that away because i need you to hold this comic so she's trying to put it away. Todd McFarlane comes down the line and says, wait, wait, wait. What is that? Let me see it. She pulls it out. He starts looking through it, just stops dead. And just, he's looking through it, asking her questions, how old she is, how the, how they, how she made this with her cousin, and giving her encouragement, telling her, keep on doing this. You know, you're doing a good job. If you're creating like this at your age, you no know, telling what you can do. Just really amazing stuff really interacting well with her and then gets out his pen says to carrie you're awesome right on the cover of the book that's cool and then you all signed our books and moved along and i got a couple pictures of it and it was just amazing so you know whatever you i mean i've always loved todd mcfarland's art i've loved his storytelling i thought i always thought he's done some amazing stuff i had my spider-man number one from the 1990s there (laughs) you know the silver uh cover i had him sign that one it is a, up in a place of honor, and I've got this great memory now of that interaction with him and my daughter and him signing that book for me. It it just, it was wonderful. That, it was really wonderful. That is super cool. I'd be, I'd be loathe to have the, and, and then he, he saw my daughter with this comic, and he took it out of her hands, and he said, this isn't mine, and <laughs> threw it away. And, you know, he said he wasn't going to sign it, and he didn't sign her book, yeah, but I he saw, did. Yeah, I yeah, saw but, that on picture that he didn't sign it. He didn't it, sign yeah. it, but he wouldn't sign anything that's not his, but he wrote her a note. That is amazing and, and, and super cool. And it was, it just really is nice to see that. It, it, amazing steward of the industry. Yeah. Really making an effort. And I saw other comments on, you know, kind of, 
coming back in my social media post that you know, people saying he gave my son a bunch of fist bumps and mm-hmm. he interacted with my kid this way and it really is nice to see that. It's really great to get. Uh, so many people will eat your dreams. Yeah. They will poo-poo whatever idea or dream you have. I've experienced this in my own life to the point where I was like, I'm not telling people what my thoughts are on things because I'm tired of being told, well, that's stupid. Right. So to have somebody actively come in and just boost you up, it took it took a little bit of their day. Yeah. And they were willing to go, I'm going to spend this time money on a stranger that... I may, you know, five minutes after that's done, I probably moved on and kind of forgotten about it. But that can, she can hold on to that forever, yeah. which yeah. is really, really cool. But I have a very important question for sure. you in regards to that. Uh, did she make five bucks? Yes, she did. Okay, high five on that, my friend. She yes. earning her keep. Yes, she did. As soon as like they got done with us, went to the next guy. Get you know, he's like, oh yeah, he, you know, he came like really slyly. He's like, here's your five bucks. Here's five bucks. <laughs> Another yeah, thing give me, too, give me some I, of that goody good. Talk about talk about awesome fan base. Yes, we're standing outside in the cold on concrete, and everybody just was like, "We're having a good time. It's great. It's hey. fan." The people at I like comics. Oh my god, they're wonderful. They brought in some coffee. They mm. were coming down the line giving people coffee. Oh, cool. Just they were trying to make the experience as good as possible. They, yeah. and the owner even came out and said, hey, "Hey, you know, I want to tell everybody outside, we're running behind. They probably are not going to get to you." Just FY, and everybody just stood in line and just said, "Okay, okay, yeah, I believe we aren't we aren't going to leave." <laughs> yeah, we weren't going anywhere anyway. So thanks for the bonus. I think the owner's name is Chris. Yeah, Chris. And uh, yeah, I've met him several times before. That used to be a comic shop that I'd go to in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. No, that is, that is super cool. So yeah, uh, Chris seems to have some uh, ins with the industry, and the fact that he got like the first Image Comics creators, yeah, you know, a cohab going on. That's pretty darn sweet. Yeah, I got some, I got some nice books signed, and, and they're all up on my wall now, and I'm like. Yay! That's neat. That so, is actually really cool. Yeah, that's that's my story I was going to talk about. How about you, sir? Okay, well, let me kind of give you an insight of how my year is going so far. So, on uh, we talked about this on the last Patreon issue uh, episode. You know, it's January 1st. It's a brand new year, brand new everything, blah, 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 blah. So, I'm over at Rick's, and I managed to slam my head between a door and a shelf unit in his garage in an impossible manner. So, my ear's still kind of tender from that. So, I'm pretty sure I broke some cartilage. So, but that was the first. And then, let's, let's advance up now. So, for Christmas, I got some chocolate-covered butter toffee. Mm. Sounds good, right? Nice, Pretty yeah. cool. So I finally I broke into that. I'm like, I've been pushing off on this, but I got to eat me some of that. I'm going to have some of that. Tear it open, grab a piece, eat it down. Yeah. Bring it upstairs to share with Hillary. And I'm like, huh. And I'm like, look at this. She goes, what? And I go, there's a grub on that. And so I open up the box more and there's some cocoons and there's grubs in the cocoons and there's some meshing kind of stuff all over this kind of candy. And yeah. So, uh, <sighs> I got me some uh, chocolate-covered bugger toffee for for my Christmas treat, and it kind of made it so uh, not so great. But it did inspire a song, which is <laughs> "Grub or Toffee, You're the One." You made my candy not so fun. Oh, Grub or Toffee, you're the grubbiest toffee I know. Ah, uh, I, I gotta tell you, man. I gotta tell you, man. Since I've come here, we've we've had conversations about uh, 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 about 
expulsions from your daughter's rear end. Yeah, We've got emergency have, bath. Have, have, have emergency baths and now conversations about grub-covered toffee. Oh, it wasn't grub-covered. Well, no, wait, you're right. It was grub-covered grub toffee. toffee. Um, and chocolate. Mm, mm, yeah. I know. It kind of put a... Uh, Sour a taste in your mouth. A pale on what I was hoping would be a delicious treat. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Ew. Yeah, very much ew. ew. I wasn't going to share the part where I took a bite. I was going to, you know, it's oh, well, like, thank oh, you. peace. I, I, I was, really appreciate that I was, you did. I was waiting that you, uh, to. I was mentally, I'm like, I'm not going to tell Rick that part. But if he asks, I will go, yes. No, no. Yes, I did. No, no, you just went ahead and shared that. I just shared yeah, that. I'm shared like, that. I, I just, I cut to there the ain't ending. no mystery. There ain't no, no mystery. mystery. No yeah, mystery. Uh, me writing a mystery book is like, this guy did it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then a story unfolds where you're all like, why is it still a hey, mystery? We know who did it. Hey, I, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. Mm-hmm. Just, just as a thought. Um, I, I'm not going to get rid of that memory anytime yeah. soon. But the best way I think I can get rid of it is by having some alcohol. And I can't get to that alcohol unless you do the two-sentence replay. So why don't you go ahead and do that so we can get to the alcohol? I think we both want this two-sentence replay to get done to get to the old booze and booze. Yeah. Gonna wash down that uh, <laughs> grub chocolate toffee real good. Due to a lost coin toss, Alex and Jack are racing across town by way of public transit to warn Cloak and Dagger that the Punisher is coming to get them, while Julie and Katie try to stop his battle van by throwing trash at it while flying after him, only to stop him about 100 feet away from his still unwarned quarry. But it turns out that the Punisher shooting bullets around Dagger is just his way of starting a friendly conversation, as he figured that the Kingpin was trying to trick him into getting rid of a couple of heroes that had been disrupting his drug trade, and he proves this by not shooting anyone and telling the Power Pack that he is always liked kids. Now that the the actually really important part of this issue was that while everyone's favorite power pack pet, Yoda the hamster, was having a birthday party, Julie was teaching Cloak how to read. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I don't mean to tell you your business, but I think you did make a mistake in that two cents uh, uh, replay. When I, I said I, battle van? Yes, it should be a battle wagon. I as, know. As, our, as my good friend Dave, who I beat on the long box crusades. Oh, don't uh, say beat. That makes it sound like there was a competition mm, there. Good point. Good point. Who I trounced. That's the word you yes, should be looking on, for. On the uh, on the long box crusade, doing it live. Yeah, uh, he would he would prefer it being called battle wagon. Yes, of course he wants it to be called battle wagon because Dave is a purist on the Punisher mythos. Yes, it is. And as everyone knows, Punisher drives a battle. What is it? Wagon. Wagon. Okay. So in battle honor station wagon, no, in, just a battle wagon. In honor of the battle wagon, mm. let's have a drink <laughs> with a very interesting choice here, mm. and I'll have to explain this a little bit. But Kay. I'd like to introduce you to pirate. Pirate. <laughs> Rum barrel aged coconut stout. Oh man, why? I want to drink this. Why? Besides the besides the obvious fact of it being a rum-barreled aged coconut stout, did I choose something called Pirate? Because it's got 8% on it and because I want to drink it. Uh, let's see, what would it be Pirate? Would it be because of the three mean girls pirating the stuffed animals and everybody's dollar bills and toys? They're really terrible pirates, but yes, piracy yes. they do. They, they are land pirates. They are mean girl land pirates yeah. in, this, in this comic. So I was kind of searching for something along those lines. And I stopped when I saw Pirate. I said, huh, Pirate, that's not really like, ooh, hey, wait, that's a rum barrel aged coconut stout. I can make Pirate work. We'll tie it in. That's a great looking can on this, too. It's a great color scheme. It's red, black, and white. It is really pretty. It's it's just an attractive uh, can. And story time on it is Pirate. 
A blend of different rum barrels makes each batch unique. Batches are blended at varying ages of rum barrel aging to create a tropical stout to be enjoyed in any season. Mmm. I'm gonna drink it. Oh, yeah. 8% ABV, 59 IBU. Uh, like he was saying, North American pale malts, caramels, and chocolate malt. English uh, Admiral and Fogel's hops, and uh, it's got coconut in it. And this is by Santiam Brewing. When we talk about color, sometimes we have to just say, you know what? This is the absence of color. There wow. is no color. That is dark. There, there, in fact, in fact, I think, I think the color is is eating my hand. Yeah, that is. <laughs> there is. There that is just. There ain't nothing. Wow, that is nothing. pitch. That, that is, is the night. That is, that is Batman coloration. Motor oil. Yeah, that is oil. It, right at the bottom of the glass, you get a little bit of light tincture coming through. That's got a nice kind of I think that's mahogany more of, reddish brown. I think that's more of the curve of the glass. Maybe I think that is that. Yeah, that is like a. That's a black hole just warping time and coloration and light. That is wonderful looking. Doesn't have a strong. No, that's got barely a nose no, to it. it it's a little. A, it's it's like it's like the blackness is eating your smell. Yeah, <laughs> this is so dense. It's taking yeah, it's warping smell into it as well. It does have a minor, minor, minor like kind of a metallicy kind of uh, aroma to it. Yeah, but very, very minor. It's probably the coconut in there. Yeah, it's a coconut. Yeah, let me give it a taster. Hello, coconut. Hello, coconut. That is coconut. That is coconut. <laughs> and there's that metal too. Yeah, that's probably the rum. Yeah. I'm going to guess the metallic is kind of the rum barrel. It's got a real bitter after. Kind of. I've, we've had worse. We've had much bitter. It's got, for me, it's kind of got that like roast coconut aftertaste yes. going on there. Yeah. Nearly burnt. Nearly, Nearly burnt. burnt. Yeah. And I think that's where you're kind of getting that kind of puckery, that kind of bitter from. Is yeah. that like near burnt coconut kind of rind kind of flavoring? I tell you what I'm not getting. I'm not getting the rum. No. No, yeah. I've got coconut, though. I love coconut. I so. got lots of coconut. It is... So I respect it for that. I'm a coconut fiend. I love me it some is coconut. pure coconut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... But that it's, coconut it's, forward is... That coconut forward is glorious. Wow. But yeah, it has a very metallic, kind of rusty yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, going on with it. This is going to be an interesting to drink, though, but uh, 8% alcohol, not bad. Yeah. And now the opening credits, if you please. Power Pack, issue number 38, July 1988. Little Bo Peep has lost her sheep. Credits. Writer. Juliana Jones. Little uh, side note there. That's Wheezy's daughter. Pencil. Sal Valuto. Inks. Stan Drake. Letterers. Joe Rosen. Colors. Glennis Oliver. Editor. Carl Potts. Shepherd in Chief. Eh, eh, see what they did there? Tom DeFalco. And special thanks to Don Hudson, background inker. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. Destroyer, Energy Guy, Julie Power, a.k.a. Molecula, Mistress of Density, Density Lady, Jack Power, a.k.a. Counterweight, Gravity Boy, Katie Power, a.k.a. Starstreak, Flying Lass, and guest starring Maggie and Jim, the oblivious power parents, and Grandpa, that guy that these kids love more than the stuffed animals that they also love a lot. The kids are in the kitchen. Wait, hang on. This is like the third or fourth book in a row that has the kids starting out in the kitchen. I mean, 
What's up with that? They never used to start the issues this way. Oh, yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense. You see, the producers recently built the kitchen set, and in order to really get a return on their investment, they are trying to use the set a lot when they film these episodes. Oh, oh, okay. Hey, you know what? That actually makes a lot of sense because... No, wait, wait. No, it doesn't. That makes no sense at all. This is a comic book, not a TV show. It looks like they're prepping for dinner, and with Katie carrying plates, Julie cutting up some veggies, and Alex making some... Kool-Aid, and Jack awkwardly reaching for the bowl on the top of the cupboard. We should mention that Julie is complaining that there are too many people in this quite spacious kitchen. I mean, their New York apartment kitchen is larger than my Oregon house bedroom. And I have to admit, this kind of makes me sad. I'm sorry that you're sad. But everyone else in the scene is happy as can be, because Grandpa is coming over! Yay! And they love their Grandpa so much that they all want to be involved in making dinner for him. Well... All good intentions and stuff aside, Jack is trying to float up and get the bowl for mashed potatoes. But Katie, being impatient and wanting to do that job instead of her own, flies up and grabs it. And bumps a jar of jam, which... Crash! Meets a sudden, horizontal stop after a vertical drop. Jack has also knocked a fork off the counter and then, let's say, accidentally kicked it. Which then caused it to slide under the washing machine. Jack lifts up the appliance, but does not have enough space to reach under and get the utensil, so Julie shrinks down and pulls it out. Jack, being so smooth, gives her a thumbs up as a payment of appreciation with the hand he was using to hold up the washer. With no gravity power affecting it other than that of the earth, the heavy piece of home machinery comes crashing down to the floor. Bam! Causing more of the kind of noise that attracts nearby parents. As Maggie starts to walk towards the kitchen to find out why there are what sounds like elephants tromping around, Alex disintegrates the jam jar mess on the floor. Why, why, why did these kids do all of these super shenanigans for situations that could have simply been solved with a chair, a ruler, and a paper towel, you might ask? I really would not because I've read these comics, but, you know, I'll tell you why. It's to show their powers, of course. These first three pages are just to set the scene that the kids have these powers, that their grandpa is over for dinner, and that they like to bicker so much that they name their team the Bickering Bunch. Um, actually, they named their team Power Pack. The Bickering Bunch was a close second, though, so I could see how you were confused. Maggie enters and ensures that the kids have not destroyed the kitchen. We also discover that Julie is making a stuffed lamb at school that she is planning to give to her grandpa for his birthday tomorrow. Aww. And we get to see Alex leaning out of the kitchen window and shooting off a powerball into an abandoned alley after their mom leaves. This is done in part so that he can get rid of the healthy glow that he was starting to get from disintegrating the trash and the smashed jam, and also so that we can see that he has his power as well. Okay, newcomer introduction completed. Let's move on. The next day after school, Julie and her two friends, the twins Ruth and Jeannie, are walking home holding their newly finished stuffed animals. They are all very pleased with this work that they have done. All is well in the world. Therefore, conflict must be introduced. Enter the villains of this story. Three mean pirate girls. Oh, I love mean girls. Such a great movie. But I didn't know they had a Marvel crossover, and I have never heard of them being described as supervillains. I mean, what's that about? Now, I didn't say supervillains, and I didn't say mean girls. I said three mean pirate girls. That is it. Nothing more. And they're really not piratey. But they look 80s tough, I guess. One girl has a tank top on, and her hair is up with a sweatband. Another girl is in green fatigues, and the third is wearing sunglasses and a turban, which is a real specific sartorial choice. Maybe they have the superpower of bad fashion sense. Sure. Um, let's just run with that for now. 
Jeannie ID'd them as bad news, and she is pretty accurate. After asking for a dollar and not taking no for an answer, the three mean pirate girls begin to take the bags off of our trio of preteens. Julie tries to use a different tactic and offers up a buck, hoping that they will go away. The turban leader repays the offer with a thanks by way of a smack across Julie's face. Wow. Okay, again, we have seen these kids in superhero fights, but there's really something different about the depiction of violence against a child in civilian clothing that really makes things dark. Even though Julie is ready to attack this bully, she realizes that she cannot expose her secret identity, which is a first. <laughs> and so, these failed fashion-forward females fleece the fluffy figurines from the frightened friends and flee. But not before one of them shoves Ruth to the ground as she tries to take back her stuffy. Ruth, from the ground, makes the point that the three of them could have taken the bullies if they had worked together. And at least she tried to do something while the other two just stood there, doing nothing. Which makes Julie cry. Later! Julie is moping in her room, explaining the situation to Kermit the Frog. That is a stuffed animal, and not to be confused with the host of a popular variety show. No, that is a street-hardened reporter known for his stinging street-level exposés during his time with the Sesame Street News Flash team. Be that as it may, Julie is just talking to her stuffed animal, explaining how she has this great power, but that she has no courage. Luckily, Jack walks in to lighten the mood. Oh, no. No, no, no. This is just to inform her that she needs to get to work on the birthday cake. It is at this point that she tells Jack about the fleecing of her fluffy figurine. And Jack has an idea. Let's go get Alex and Katie and go after those twerps. While Julie wants to fix it herself, Jack is going for the overkill offensive. They have world-saving powers, so let's beat up some teenage delinquents. Huzzah! To be fair, Jack is really selling the team angle, and not the... Uh, violence angle. Julie, you can't try to do everything on your own. Using your own great words of wisdom, we are a team. A team, when they work and think together, are stronger than anything. We are the invincible power machine. Don't worry, Jack. I have a plan. I'll get them. And she pulls out the monster disguise from Power Pack 33. She is going to use it to scare the bullies. Hmm. And then? Then... What? That's her plan. That's it. Keep in mind that this plan worked on Sunspot, so it has to be a good one for this situation as well. Sunspot? That's a setting the bar pretty low there. But before Jack can tell her how stupid of an idea this is... Ding dong! The doorbell ringing means that Alex and Katie are back with party favors, so Jack runs to let them in. Having the impulse control of an angry Alex, Julie takes the moment to stuff the monster costume into her shirt, costume on, and then cloud out of the apartment to go seek justice. No, not justice, but... Revenge! With all the anger and vengeance of a small cloud, until she finds a trio of teenage terrors picking on another little girl, Julie quickly clouds the crowd, causing confusion and the clemency of the cornered kid. Julie follows the three mean pirate girls back to their self-proclaimed hideout, which is really just an abandoned building that they are flopping at. Julie sneaks inside and changes into the monster costume. Initially, her surprise entrance scares the girls, but then they rally and attack. And when I say they rally and attack, what I mean is that they hold back because a scary demon monster is in their flop and it might be dangerous. Luckily for the three mean girls, though, Julie is hot and tired, and she falls down after tripping on a chair. This causes her scary demon monster outfit to fall apart, just as fast as it took her master revenge plan to. And instead of clouding up, she just costumes off and is caught after a poor attempt at witty banter. Hi, I'm sorry. I should have called first. 
Poor showing, Julie. Come on, you're better than this. The three mean pirate girls recognize her and give her the special treatment that they reserve for all of their special pirate guests. That stop for an unexpected visit. Meaning, fatigues hold her while Turbin begins to slap her in the face repeatedly until... Crack! Alex, Katie, and Jack are standing in the doorway, and they are not in their costumes. Alex has just shot a powerball between the gaggle of gangling girls to get their attention. Hey, thought we'd just drop by. You were so involved, we had to get your attention somehow. And you were being mean to our sister. This is enough for Julie to escape, costume back on, and cloud up the room, confounding the creepy criminals and causing chaos. Jack dives and he grabs headband girl, slamming her into the ground. Alex is not so lucky with his Sadie Hawkins dance partner, though. Fatigue's girl lifts the team leader up by his shirt and... Slam! Throws him into a wall! Alex retaliates by disintegrating a section of a bookcase, causing it to collapse upon his attacker. The turban leader tries to head out the door, screaming that she is going to get the rest of the gang. Wait, what? There are more bad girls? Jeez! Bad girls, bad girls, what's the pack to do? What's the pack to do when they come for you? Call Lawrence and Smith, I don't know. Anyway, Katie flies over and slams the door and locks it. Now that the girls are locked in the room with the apparent smoke and some apparently very dangerous pre-teams, Headband whips out a dagger and threatens that she is ready to cut some fools. Right up until the time that Katie flies by and... Snatch! Grabs the blade out of her hand. The three mean pirate girls don't know it yet, but Power Pack is ready to wrap up the fight. Alex grabs a couple of laundry bags and empties them. They're full of toys. Yes. Yes, Dave, they are. But more importantly, they are now empty. And with a quick spin around the room, Katie pulls a bag over each girl's head while the two boys push them over. The gang quickly tie up the bags and voila, that is it. Not quite, my friend. The kids see all the stolen toys around the room. Julie liberates the stuffed animals that were taken from her friends and the dollar that was taken from her. Jack secures the bag and Alex writes out a note that incriminates the girls based upon the stolen toys and an address as to the location of the abandoned building. Jack signs it, the four master toy savers. Nice, real nice. They take this and a box of toys and leave it at the front door of a police station. Later at the power party for their pop-up, there is a lot of happiness, especially after Grandpa opens up the present from Julie. The stuffed sheep is a big hit with him as he grew up on a sheep farm. Thank you all. I love it. I figured you were tired of my childhood stories. I hope it wasn't too much trouble. Trouble? No, of course not. Next issue, Mutants on TV. Da-da, da-da, da-da. Dun 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 It's power packaging time What I liked about that intro is that it gave me enough time to drink some beer. So we like to start at the beginning because it is a very good place to start. <laughs> and in this case because <laughs> if you started in the middle and you're like, I, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It's like me with Buffy the Vampire. It's like, why is this guy a werewolf? Why is she dating a vampire? Who's that guy? Because things. Yes. <laughs> this is a very cool cover. I This is one of these covers that I always remember, uh, even if I don't always remember the story. But I remember this cover very well. It is... Um, Julie in her cloud form, except that you, she's very recognizable as her face and her hands. So it's just this very large blue, menacing, cloudy, menacing cloud cloudy. with clawing hands and, and, and distinct and, eyes. And John Bogdanov and uh, Hillary Barta, they, they have just drawn the heck out of this. But 
she's like glowering down at our three pi- mean pirate girls mm-hmm. as a uh, turban has got katie down on the ground is kind of like shaking down the ground front and center is fatigues and she's got alex kind of hang held up by one hand and fist raised and then you've got a uh, headband kneeling on top of uh, jack who's passed down on the ground she's got one fist shaking all the kids eyes are closed they're all knocked out yeah and beware molecula mistress of vengeance, vengeance. I, I, I like this cover oh I it's mean, a great cover <laughs> i mean it it, it doesn't happen no <laughs> like this no but at I mean, all i mean you know it, it, to the point where one of the characters has the wrong skin tone well yeah <laughs> fatigues on uh, now i have noticed this the uh, power pack has uh done this at least three times with a like oh it's a uh, african-american character on the front of the cover and in the book it's, it's not a caucasian person so yeah on the cover of this one uh fatigues is a very dark-skinned african-american lady and inside she's a uh, white lady. Yes, there is a coloring thing there too, but it's still it's a very cool cover. Oh, it is a great cover. Yeah. It looks really neat, but it is a super lie. Yeah, super. Other super than lie. that, these characters are in it, and they are meanies, and uh, Julie's out on the vengeance path. <laughs> no, I, I this is a top cover for me. This is this is a very good, very well drawn one, mm-hmm. and it you know represents at least what the covering's about, which is. An everyday kind of thing. I love everyday kind of things. I, do I really too. do. I like it too. It's, we see more of the kids interacting. I would have liked it a little bit more if the resolution of the book was more of a non-powery resolution somehow. Yeah. I'm not sure how to swing that per se. I don't know. But yeah. it's it I like it when they are facing things and have to face thing, face things more on the civilian level or very more civilian, very street very level kind of thing. Level. Yeah. And it is especially, I, I like the fact too that it was kind of like, yeah, Julie could do damage to these people. She could take care of this, but uh, she's in her massively civilian garb, including with the two twins that know her very well and would probably be like, hey, Julie, uh, so like a giant cloud appeared and you, you kind of disappeared at the same time. And then uh, our teenage ruffian adversaries all seemed to like you know like the cloud went away on occasion because like a very small action figure hit them and killed them or knocked them out and then the cloud would come back and then uh we have our stuffed animals and these uh three mean pirate girls have knee divots in their heads there 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 would be a lot of questions and no good answers yeah i was curious uh you were behind me i heard someone yell costumes on and then there was a cloud and then action figure time and clouds and then you were back behind me and then i saw uh your clothes reappear around you as like a lightning storm it is interesting to to put this up against how alex dealt with bullies and Mm -hmm. and how julie deals with bullies and and you do see a difference between the two which is nice it's nice to see that uh julie is definitely more of the sensitive type yeah, she's more of the sensitive type. Yeah. She was also trying to hide her powers and everything. And she did powers and, and you know felt bad about losing it. And you know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a superhero. I should have done something. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do like it. I do like it. We make jokes about the mean uh, pirate girls. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we have named them uh, Turban, Headband, and Fatigues because those are their th- th- that's their most distinguishing features. Yeah, basically. I mean, um, uh, they kind of all have uh, like fatigue cargo pants on. One yeah. just has the. Uh, you know, like a military top on yeah, as military well. Blouse. So fatigues and but yeah, it, it, it's also one of these cases where they are fairly two dimensional. You would give them that many dimensions? 
They well, are mean girls who enjoy being mean uh, because they are mean. Yeah, yeah. We we, just, we don't get we don't get they, they do not get fleshed out at at all. No, other than this. they like uh, being mean because it makes them feel like a real man, or in this case, a woo man. Yeah. So they, yeah, they are there as chess pieces to do this one thing, and, yeah. and that's about it. And the, and they're doing this to whatever kids they can find. And sure. yeah, you know, what's kind of funny is when like Alex lifts up the bags of toys and everything. It's like it's just filled with toys. They yeah. have been stealing junk. Yeah. But there was some stacks of dollar bills in there too. It was like. Why do you have the money in the bags as well? Unless they're like they they very organized. They, they organized. They, they're they, not they super would, smart. They would be. These girls don't have a four hundred one k plan. No, um, they they have very impulse control problems. Yeah, they have they have one mission in life, and that is mm-hmm. to go out and beat kids up and to move the plot forward. Yeah, and Turban loves smacking. Yes, yes, she, she loves does. slapping people in the face. <laughs> That's what she loves. You know, there's like. I think instances of like three or four slappings that she does in this <laughs> issue, Rick. I I think it also is just uh, the, the the dialogue that they are given is very. Hey, we are going to go back to our hideout. Yes. I, I, nobody no, they, talks like this. Nobody, nobody talks like that. It was just like, well, fatigue's raised up at one point. She's all like, hey, why do we keep hassling that girl? She literally had no money. Yeah. And Turbin's all like, I love, I can't remember exactly, but I it was like, like, I feel like I have power when I see their terrified expressions. Yeah. Okay, and, okay, and, and, she's, and headbands she's, all like, yeah, all right. She's on her way to becoming Lex Luthor type supervillain. Yeah, and poor. And just, you know. <laughs> and not smart. Yeah. And lots of things. No, I, I can understand that. It's very much, it's, you can give each of these girls a tragic backstory and you can be like, you know what? She's paying forward the pain that she has felt from her youth or from his, her family yeah. or, you know, just a touch, like bad stepdad or whatever you know it's just like she's paying forward pain that has been delivered on her however uh, yeah this is just yeah there, there's i think that it's there, dialogue in a comic to say i'm a bad person here sure. look at me be bad don't sure. feel bad if something bad happens to me because bad i like this i do like this uh it is um it's a first attempt at Ju- that julia jones has done yeah there are definitely some rough edges around there there are there are but it, it As far as a first attempt on a comic book, first attempt to to tell a story, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. I I know that she's written this and a couple more issues of Power Pack, Mm -hmm. um, but she hasn't done anything else besides this. So this was kind of, this is it of her comic writing career. I think she does have the kids' voices very well. Yes. Even some of the kids' dialogue's a little bit stilted, but it's it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. We have read, I think, much worse. Yeah. Whereas two-dimensional as the mean pirate girls are they are a bit tougher than sunspot because they took julie out <laughs> yeah. faster than sunspot they did. took julie out with a chair a yeah. well-placed chair yeah. they know a power is weakness <laughs> it's a chair we are making fun of sunspot i like sunspot but we make but fun we're of making fun. so oh. badly well if your only exposure to sunspot was the issue that we saw him in with power pack yeah you're gonna make fun of him because he was just a mopey melodrama just Incompetent to the max, mm-hmm. just incompetent with what he was doing. Whereas it's just like, oh, so is this like a joke character kind of thing? <laughs> is if that was your only exposure to him, you would be like, yeah, no way is this anybody's favorite character. Although, although you read some of the the current New Mutants, he's not mopey or melodramatic, but he uh, is actually uh, coming off as a fascinatingly oblivious blowhard. Okay, it's amazing. It is great. Yeah, the new run of New Mutants, it's fantastic. Most of the Donovex stuff is. Okay. Read it. Anyways, that's all I got to say. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up as far as the themes? Um, I thought it was interesting that uh, 
you know, it was like they tied in a bit of uh, their granddad's history that we had never heard about uh tying it into kind of the stuffed animals and making this like oh yeah this ties directly into like stories they would hear we don't know about them you know it was like the strange tales uh, yoda the hamster birthday party kind of thing where <laughs> it's just like a little farther out though yeah. you know I, I once again they have brought grandpa in mm-hmm. as kind of a character to have in a meanwhile book you know here's something else the kids are doing and there's grandpa (laughs) yeah i'm i am great with the slice of life i'm great with the family stuff in fact i think i was having a uh, a little conversation with uh tim price the pod crasher uh but yeah we were just saying he you know he was talking about how much he loved kind of like you know oh the fantastic four goes to the powers house and they're just kind of having discussions i'm like i would just dig on an entire issue of just the richards and the powers hanging out yeah, you know, superpowers can be had, but no villains. Just like a complete, just like a day in the life of, you know, or like it could be the front half is like hanging at the Powers house, and the second half could be like the next day or next week hanging out over at the Richards house, you know, kind of thing. I would, I would love to see something like that exist. My dinner with the Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah, my dinner with the Fantastic Four. <laughs> All right, then I'm gonna go ahead and talk a little bit about a library card. We like to try to discover the etymology of literature, and I could not pass up this opportunity to delve into the very popular rhyme, Little Bo Peep Has Lost Her Sheep, because it's a title. So, Little Bo Peep has lost her sheep and doesn't know where to find them. Leave them alone, and they'll come home, wagging, bringing their tails behind them. So the earliest record of this rhyme is a manuscript around 1805, which contains only the first verse. Prior to that, there were different uses of similar phrases. In the 14th century, Playbo Peep was a euphemism for being stuck in a pillory. You know, one of those stocks where your heads and arms are locked in. They're usually used in town squares as a means to embarrass or punish local people. It's the kind of thing I do to Jeff all the time when I leave the house. I put him in a pillory and Hillary and his daughter just kind of mock and laugh at him. Anyways, I'm off topic. Everyone I know is mean. By the 16th century, it was toned down and brought closer to the rhyme. Shakespeare's King Lear used it as a term for game, not unlike peekaboo, which is another thing that, you know, when we put Jeff in the pillory stock, then his daughter likes to play peekaboo with him. Again, it embarrasses him. The rhyme itself is a morality tale. It describes the consequences of what happens when you fail in your responsibility, thus Jeff being locked in the pillory blocks. (laughs) In the extended rhyme, Little Bo Peep, she falls asleep while watching the sheep. They run off and she must find them. She does but they're all missing their tails. So after she finds those later, she has to try and match the tails to the lambs. Which, let me tell you, that's a pain. I really have no clue how that works because I've never really worked on a farm, but I'm guessing it's a pain. Of course, this has to have a bit of a parallel to our story. Julie feels that she has failed in her duty as a superhero by having her and her friend's stuffed animals taken. So she has to go out and try to find them. So when she does, she also finds the toys taken and instead of trying to match up the toys to the kids that, you know, they're taken, Power Pack just dumps it on the police to take care of, you know, because that's the way they roll. It's also the way that Jeff rolls, too, which is, again, a reason I put him in the pillory <laughs> when I leave the house. But every now and again, after I put Jeff in that pillory, he does find a way to get out. And I am guessing that he uses science. To- <laughs> I do. I really do. <laughs> also, the fact that you are not only a terrible shot, but also terrible at locks. Meh. Meh. Can't be good at everything. In this issue, we had a big plot point about Julie's stuffed animal that she spent two months making getting stolen from her by three mean pirate girls. So this got me thinking, how do you make a simple stuffed animal? It turns out like this. First, choose a fabric for your stuffed animal. You can go with a realistic coloring like browns and grays or pick a fun pattern like polka dots. Keep in mind that some types of fabric are easier to work with than others. Next, pick an animal. Before you begin creating your pattern, you'll want to decide what animal you want to create. 
As you are brainstorming, try to choose an animal that has a distinct shape and a simple silhouette. Then, make your pattern. For this simple project, feel free to use any type of paper that you have on hand. Since you will only have two pieces of fabric to connect, your pattern is basically just a simple template for cutting those pieces out. After that, prepare your fabric. After you've made your pattern, you'll need to transfer it onto your fabric. Make sure the fabric you're using is ironed or steamed and free from creases. This will make it much easier to work with. Next, pin your fabric together. Before you begin to sew your animal, you'll want to use straight sewing pins to pin your two pieces of fabric to each other. This ensures your fabric pieces stay lined up correctly as you begin to sew. And speaking of sewing, it's time to sew your sides. You can make your homemade stuffed animal either with a sewing machine or with basic hand stitching. Before you begin to sew, thread a needle and knot the end of your thread. Use thread that is the same color as your fabric or use a contrasting color for decoration. Then turn your animal inside out. Using the hole that you left unsewn, pull your fabric through and turn it inside out. It may take a bit of work to pull all the fabric through your hole. Next, stuff your animal. Once you turn your fabric, you'll need to begin filling your animal. You'll want to make sure that it is full, but there is no strain on the stitching. You can find stuffing at local craft stores. Now it's time to close up your hole. After you've stuffed your animal, you'll want to sew up the small hole you used in putting in the stuffing. Doing this should not take very much thread. Use the same thread that you used for the perimeter of your animal. Finally, embellish your creature. Once you finish sewing your stuffed animal, you can add more character with various kinds of decorations. These will make your animal come alive. Feel free to use items you have on hand or pick up some decorations at a craft store. So, that's how you make a stuffed animal. But there is an addendum to this as well. If you decided to skip all the hassle of making an animal yourself and just decided to go to Build-A-Bear, the final step is to go up to the register, turn your wallet upside down, and then shake it till all the money comes out. And that's Science Corner. Thank you, Jeff. That was very educational. Power thoughts, my friend. <laughs> Let's talk about the refrigerator gallery where we could get a very big magnet and stick your new stuffed animal mm. against it. Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 But we're not going to do that. We're going to stick pieces of art up there. Okay. I like that. And we're going to start off with the ha-ha-ha-ha-ha award for the funniest. Yeah. The funniest artwork. Our funny funnies. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? I'll go first. Okay. Let's go to page 22 on our Bible. Mm-hmm. And it was said upon that day that thine shall feast thine eyes upon humorous art. The toughest gang on the block. <laughs> <laughs> and this would be Jack and Alex and Katie. <laughs> Jack is in a bit of a, like, I'm going to attack pose. Yeah. Uh, Alex is leaning ever so casually up against the door with a uh, steaming fist. He's so and, smug. And, and you have Katie who's doing just the hands on hips, leaning forward, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even that. She's just telling them off. That yeah. is a telling off stance and face. So that's that's the toughest gang yeah. on the block. <laughs> West Side Story represents. <laughs> Sorry, it... Upper West Side represents. <laughs> <laughs> Alex just cracks me up in this because he's just so pleased with himself. Because he showed a powerball and got the attention of girls when they're like, oh, we had to put so much effort into getting their attention. You could have just clapped or said a hum or anything. But and, yeah. and then you would still have like a fireball do something with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you got, my friend? My joke backup one is on page three, and I call it the many accusing hands of Julie Power. And this is in the uh, middle left. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you just figured it out. This is in the middle left of the page, and it's a tiny little panel, and it has uh, Jack degrabbing the washing machine to lift it up to get the fork, and it has a uh, a shrinking Julie going into her costume, just pointing accusatory fingers at Jack, like, what are you doing? In fact, she even says, well, it, pri- earlier she was like, what are you doing? And right now she's like, here, maybe I can help. Costume on. But it's just all these fingers just pointing as she shrinks, and they have like one, two, three, four, five uh, different little silhouettes of her going down and shrinking down to her tiny julie self that's very cute it is super cute but i thought <laughs> I, th- I just thought it was funny because it's all these pointing i like it i like it mm-hmm. that's nice well what's your uh, main joke one what's your My first main place joke haha one is <laughs> on page 16 and mm-hmm. i call this one by the power of cloud skull <laughs> this and, is yeah this is ridiculous <laughs> and it's julie as she's uh getting ready to enact her revenge, revenge. And uh, she is costuming on, but she has, like, one hand up, kind of, like, like she's holding a sword. She could mm-hmm. be holding a sword in her hand. Mm-hmm. She's looking up, and she's just po- posed all dramatically. Yeah. And there's this magic swirling as her costuming is going on around her. And it's in the background, it's all these rays of light. And she is calling down the power of Cloud School yeah, to she crush is. her enemies. <laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh occasionally a lot of awkward posing that the kids do kind of dependent upon the artist and stuff and this is very much yeah i don't call it awkward posing she's being very dramatic yeah, about she what she's gonna do hyper dramatic in her actions yep that's a good choice though that's pretty cool what do you got for your top one my top joke one is on page 25 and i call it you get a toy and you get a toy and you get a toy <laughs> This is a uh, bottom left-hand panel, and this is when Alex has lifted up the uh, laundry bags that they're going to tie the uh, the mean pirate girls up with, and it's uh, just toys and dollar bills falling out of it. Basically, just lots and lots of toys and yo-yos and stuff, and stuffed animals, <laughs> and it's just like, ah, that's great. But Alex has got a look on his face like, yeah, Yeah, it's like he hit the treasure trove. Yeah, he just hit the jackpot on, uh, on a slot machine or something. He's just super happy with himself. <laughs> And so, yeah, so uh, you get a toy. All right. That is our awards for the ha-ha. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to the awards for the best of the best. Yeah, what's the good Because these are the best got? around, and nothing is going to keep this art down. Yeah. So for my backup one... <laughs> it's the best art around. around. Nothing's going to keep this art down. So I am going to go to page 27, and I call this, That's Fast. <laughs> and, that's a good one and this one is uh just following up what we just talked about with the bags being emptied because mm-hmm. katie gets them and she's plop them onto plop the mean plop pirate girls heads yep and so it's one scene and you see like jack tripping the girls with his degrav and alex is pushing them and julie's going around with cloud form but you see katie kind of in three spots at once as her rainbow trail like is showing her dropping these bags on these three girls heads it is great it's pretty cool looking. that's a good it, it's one. an interesting way of moving the characters yeah. throughout i like that i like that a lot now that's a good choice how about you sir my backup favorite one is on page 19 and i call it demon monster on the attack and this is a uh, bottom right hand panel uh, and it is when Julia's the demon monster is uh, tripping on the chair and falling down and her costume is just falling to flinders. Yeah. Uh, now, this could easily be a very big joke one, but I just really like 
how they caught all the action in there with the you can tell like the mean girls are like both scared but kind of ready to defend themselves mm-hmm. and but just seeing that costume fall apart i'm like there's, that's wonderful there's movement there's mm-hmm. the action of her hitting the chair the bonk the costume falling apart there's a lot of things going yep. on in there that's really good and really kind of very well composed yes. so yeah i got you on that one i got you on that one so i find that both as funny but also as just awesome well i'm going to tell you what's not funny mm-hmm. and that's what i got on page nine Oh, okay. I'm on a uh, page nine as well for my first one. I'm curious to see what you chose. I don't know if we were going to choose different ones on this one, but mine is the top one. Mine is the top one as well. Smack. (laughs) That is a great name for it. Why did you call it Smack? Because it's right there. It's a smack. It's the action and the sound effect of the girl backhanding Julie and Julie's head whipping around and you see the pain and pressure on her face you see the the kind of explosion of the action of it hitting her face yeah you also have the sheep the stuffed the, animal the, the sheep stuffed just animal flying, flying away also what i really like about that is uh you see you know the hand that was smacking it's a very kirby hand mm-hmm. at this stage because it's big yeah it's like you know it, it's closer to the camera so it's really really large and it's not crazy large but it is yeah. larger than it normally should be yeah i love this panel and i named this one because it will make rick angry <laughs> and yet I chose it. <laughs> and yet you chose yet it. I chose it. I ruined your joke. <laughs> you didn't. I ruined That's, your joke. No, you didn't. That's still amazing and wonderful, and I love it. Because no, I was like, "Hey, how many smacks are in this one?" There's like three or four. You could have hey, done one for each. I could have. I have in the past, but, but I chose not to. I held off on this one. This is a different. Yeah, because I thought one. this was re- actually really yeah. good art. But yeah. also, I'm like, also, I can tease Rick with it. But Rick teased us both. He absorbed the joke and said, no, it's my joke now. I, You're right. I absorbed the joke. I did not bounce it back on you. <laughs> but that's what we're going to do now. We're doing we rubber and glue? Rubber glue moments. Ah! Yeah. What was the best or most childish insult? Sir, why don't you go first with your backup? Okay. My backup rubber and glue moment is uh, on page one. And this is when everybody's trying to help in the kitchen to get the meal going. But Julie's doing the majority of the work. And she's complaining that uh, there's too many people here. And he's just like, she's just like, why don't you guys just go away and I can do it myself. And everybody's like, we want to help. And Alex is all like, yeah, if we put it work together, we'll get it done faster. And Julie's response is, but it won't get done right. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, ah, I love that. It's a, the, the the subtle like, I there there's an implied insult. There, there is an effect. the uh, The font on that I think is just a wee little bit smaller, it's a little tighter. just a little bit smaller. So that was kind of a Julie said that kind of under her breath. Okay. Speaking of that, if we go a couple pages forward. Mm-hmm. And, where she has finally lost her temper. Mm-hmm. This is after she has gotten the fork out from underneath the uh, washing machine, and Jack has dropped the washing machine, and you know, there's a big bam. Mm-hmm. And you know, mom from outside, what's going on in there? And Julie says, "You nincompoop, mom heard. Mm-hmm. Costumes off. Yep, nincompoop. Mm-hmm. Pretty fantastic. Pretty fantastic. Yeah. Pretty round, fantastic. Round of golf clubs. Round of golf clubs on that one. Yes, I like a good nincompoop. Nincompoop is a good one. It really is. What is your top one? My top one is on page six, and it is actually Jeannie who says it. This is a. They're talking about you know their class and their sewing and everything, and Julie's all like, oh, "I had it." The boys calling me Bo Peep, and uh, her sister Ruth saying. Honestly, men can be so rotten. But Jeannie takes the cake when she's all, the guys in our class, men. 
<laughs> yeah, you go, Genie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, she ain't wrong. She ain't wrong. She ain't men, wrong. Men, men, men suck. Men can men uh, be of the vacuum set. I mean, set. seriously, you just have to ask our wives. Mm, sometime I do dishes. You better believe it. Heck yeah. I want to move to page 17. Okay. All right. So what's your uh, favorite insult on page 17, Rick? The bottom panel, uh, the three mean pirate girls are arguing. Mm-hmm. And um, Headband kind of ends all this fighting that, that's going on because they, they were caught up in a cloud and they lost the girl they were picking on. She ends this by saying, you big blockhead. You big blockhead. I, I got to go with the Charlie Brown yeah. whenever possible. It gets, it gets a high vote for me. Uh-huh. You big blockhead. So, yes, there we go. Now, let us move to Stars and Detention. Mm-hmm. And that's where we say who we think the best kid and the worst kid is. Yep. So, uh, as always, let's start with the worst kid. Mm-hmm. Rick? And can you guess who mine's going to be? Uh, it's is it going to be Alex? It's going to be Alex. Mine is Alex, too. It's going to be Alex. I, although, I have to admit, I was really tempted on Julie, just because she... I don't want to like victim blame, but she did a handful of stuff that really annoyed me. Yeah, I, I can get that. So it'd be interesting to see who we pick for our best. Yeah. I'm Alex, saying Alex. Yeah. He kept on using his powers in ways that shows he has powers when he was trying to hide them. Mm-hmm. Um, he used them blatantly in front of the girls when they came in the room. That was silly. Well, well uh, I think Headman was like, who threw that firecracker? Right. And, but, but he was he, just smugly he's looking. Smug- yeah, yeah, he's, he's kind of a steamy hand, and, hand yeah, and everything. It's but. just like, I, I, yeah, he, he was not good in this one. he was not really good he was also you know it's kind of like earlier i'd said where julie's like you guys need to get out of the kitchen and he's yeah. like no teamwork makes it all more better and she's like it really doesn't in really this doesn't. case you know so and it was like you know oh they break a jam jar hey alex disintegrate that real quick and it's like no yeah dude, just do it or wipe it up it's not this is not a big deal and yeah he he bounced back and forth between being a little like pointlessly smug not super helpful and also not really doing anything right yeah so i'm not our hero of this story no but let's talk about who our hero of this story is yeah who'd you like for your hero i'm, I'm gonna guess i'm gonna go i want to guess that we got the same person i'm gonna go with julie Oh, okay. Then we did not. But I could have gone with Jack. Yes, that's who I chose. Yeah. As I'm sitting here, I'm actually kind of going back and forth in my head about if I want to change my choice or not. But I wrote down Julie, so I'm going to go with Julie. This Julie- one was a little tricky for me. The, uh, well, uh, I think the bad kid was worse for me because I was like, Arr! and the good one was like, Julie did a lot, but also Jack. Jack came in with some really good advice and mm-hmm. stuff, but I, I kind of had to lean forward on Julie on this one because she was trying to solve the problem herself yeah. and she could have brought her, her teammates with her. I mean, especially since they... They got Alex on this one oh, yeah. in the past too, yeah. but I mean, you know, she wasn't going down. I don't know. I I'm really wishy washy on this one. I kind of like Julie in this one. I kind I think I gave it to her because it was a Julie centric okay, episode. I could totally see that. But but uh, again, Julie also did a lot of good stuff. Did so a lot of good that's stuff. That's why I said kind of my bad yeah. kid, but not quite. Kind of my good kid. But yeah. I think I, I think I can definitely go with Jack. And I go ahead and explain Jack for your reasons. But I think I probably agree with all of them. Yeah, uh, I'd like doing his voice. Okay, no. so the reason why I think that Jack would actually be a good one, even though my choice was Julie, would would be because he came in there and was trying to sell the teamwork yeah. to Julie. You know, let's let's get together, let's get the guys together, we'll go and take care of this. Yep. He did a really good job in the fight. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was he was really using his power well. Yeah, in the and fight. he was just tripping kids up and yeah. everything. Yeah. It, he also he was a hundred percent in this. He was uh why are you degrabbing? He's like, I gotta get the bowl, you know. He's like, Okay, well, you know, he, he, everything he was doing was very much just like doing this for the family, doing this for the team. 
talking to Julie. Jill, I'm going on a vengeance trail. He's like, you need let's uh, well, let's gather up the family. The, the interesting thing, I but, think yeah. I, I think I gotta say, I think I like the relationship between Julie and Jack. Mm-hmm. I like their relationship because mm-hmm. I've seen their relationship be they'll they'll get on each other's nerves sometimes, but I think that there's a closer relationship there than a lot of the other combinations that yeah, occur. I could see that. Yeah. I really could. See that. And I know a couple of the other books well, coming they're, up too. They're like age peers, kind they're of. They're age too. peers too, but it's just like there's they know each other. They they're yeah. able to kind of figure each other out mm-hmm. pretty well too. So we're still going to do G Force. Yep, until Wheezy's off the, the Wheezy's uh, off writing the book. talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do we got for the G Force? We'll do that real quick. Uh, we have zero G's. You could find that in this issue because there weren't none. You could also find zero G's in the Mean Pirate Girls' pockets because they had to keep on shaking down. Tiny kids for dollar bills. Nice. Uh, that gives us a G average that is continually plummeting, and that is at 0.82. And that is 0.02 off the surface gravity of Uranus, which, again, is the seventh planet from the sun. And our G total is sticking at 31, which is uh, three gravities higher than the surface gravity of our sun. There we go. Now we want to rank this bad boy. Mm-hmm. We have a list of 42 stories, and it ends with X-Factor Annual number 2, and it starts with Power Pack number 25, Power Trip. Where are we putting this one here? I keep kind of, you know, start at the middle, see where you mm-hmm. think, because starting at the top, I keep on kind of yeah, no, we're, we're sliding down. I would say, let's, let's take a look at the last issue, Power Pack. Power Pack number 37, that's where the kids meet Rebecca. Real close to that, I was thinking, well, we mentioned Sunspot in this one. We can talk which about that. special but, effects. Yeah, yeah which um, is just right above Seeing the Light. So, yeah. I think I, think I kind of like special effects a little bit more. I mean, yeah. the, the, the protagonists of that story were a lot more fleshed out yeah. than this one. Uh, seeing the Light, I, I think it's around that level. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, hmm. It, for being a very simple story, it, there was a lot in here. No, th- this one has uh, some more meat in it. Yeah. I think it flowed a little bit better than... I. You know what? I. This is easy. Well, let's just say that it is the new number 32 where Seeing the Light was. Do you want to do All that? Right. I, th- I think so. Because since you like special effects better and you're thinking this has a little bit more meat than uh, Seeing the Light. So yeah. it's easy. Let's just slap All it right. right in between the two. I think, I think I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a good place for it. We'll call that good. Okay, so seeing the light slips down to rank 33 and Little Bo Peep has lost her sheep. Issue number 38 is the new number 32 in our oh-so-who-cares uh, ranking system. We care. And all of our fans care, right? Please write us in and tell us that you care. Yeah. We want to know. <laughs> Give us your own. Put a lot of work into making your own lists up and then uh, <laughs> do like a Twitter battle over it or something. Tell, or us, some... tell us if we're right and wrong on this ranking. We want to know. <laughs> all right. We can talk about one thing that is completely our opinion, and that's going to be our beer. <laughs> so let's talk about our final thoughts on this beer. What do we think about this beer? How does it fit with the comic book? Well, it's a pirate beer, and it's about a bunch of mean girls, and this is a very mean beer. Uh, this beer has a very strong coconut, which the longer it goes on, is turning into a lot of bitter, bitter in my mouth. It's not, again, I don't see it as super bitter. I just see it as, like, just kind of rusty kind of yeah kind of just like a, a dusty kind of rusty kind of yeah, like, like you've been out hiking and you've been eating trail dirt all day long kind of thing it's like i've been licking rust mm. i'm not getting as much of the coconut anymore it warming up 
the smell is still really really mild of mm. kind of nothing so probably just the the cooked coconut yeah for me for me personally i'm gonna say that this one here is i'm not enjoying it as much as i started to yeah um, yeah the, I'm gonna, the words at the beginning were like yeah and then you taste it and you're like yeah hmm yeah and then it goes downhill hmm. yeah it keeps on throughout the episode me and rick have been kind of like taking some sips and we've been like i'm of mixed thoughts yeah not enjoying this one as much. I think I've probably come down to about a two on this. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, it starts off nice, but then I just... I'm, I'm struggling here. I'm still getting some coconut out of it, but it does really fade. I don't know if it's just the tongue getting used to that flavor. But yeah, it's weird because the, the, the front flavor is decreasing while the back flavor is increasing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like that... that that rusty kind of musty kind of after just is creeping farther and farther forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. That's where I'm leaning so on this two one. Two for two, you. Two for me. Uh, I'm not that bad with it, but it's still not great. Uh, two and a half. All right. Yeah, right in the middle. Just kind of. Yeah. So sorry I'll about that. Sorry it, about but, that. I mean, I was hoping for a real good one because I like the idea behind it, but to each his own taste, flavor. Maybe yeah. you enjoy it. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't live up to its potential. Me and Rick, the beer's parents, hoped for so much more. It failed us. Yeah, I it mean, it failed us. We still love it because it's beer, which makes it family. But you know, so much potential. You know who doesn't fail us though? Who? My daughter. You're right. Carrie never fails us. No, she doesn't. Oh, how could she come in and just make this so much better now that we've gotten out of, out of the way of this beer? Wait, I know. You could spend some time talking to her, which parents should do with their child, yes. and see what she thought about this issue in a segment we call Kids Perspective. So, Rick and Carrie, perspective us. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you today? Good, as long as you're here. Aw, shucks. You're way too nice. Really? Yes. We're here to talk about another comic book, another Power Pack comic book. This time, it's a Julie story, right? Yeah, and I just noticed something on the sticker. It yeah. said 38 Jewel, and it sounds sort of like Julie. <laughs> nice, nice. It's supposed to be July. That's I know. the cover date. But yeah, no, I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. So tell me kind of briefly what happens in this. Three mean kids have stolen stuff, and Power Pack went out to fight them? Yeah, that's about right. We called them uh, Three Mean Pirate Girls. <laughs> don't ask <laughs> so what did you think about it did you like it did you not like it i like it why i like how in the end they actually start they um left out like that big box in a sign to sh to give to anybody else to give the to try to give the toys back or yeah. to to uh, try to get them back to where they belong yeah the kids did something nice they stopped some mean girls and they try to return the things right mm-hmm What'd you think about how Julie went after the mean girls by herself? Not a good idea, especially without her siblings knowing. Yeah, she should have brought her siblings along, right? Yeah. Did you have a favorite part about the book? I guess it, I like it when they're all working together. To stop the bad girls? Yeah, to stop the bad girls. I also like the part in the end when it's, when it's the grandpa's birthday. Oh yeah, you like that part? Yeah. Why? Because it's nice? Yeah. <laughs> you like nice things like that, don't you? Yeah. What about the cover? You really had reaction when you saw the cover, didn't you? Yeah, I thought it was going to be like a dark issue. Because Julie's all in front, right? Yeah, she's all dark and every and the three mean girls are like actually really torturing 
the other siblings. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see how it looks really, really dark. And yet at the same time, it's just a nice little everyday story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah? So let's just say the cover is definitely not suiting for this one. But it kind of is representative about when uh, the girls, about how the girls pick on other people and how Power Pack goes to stop them, right? Yeah. And it's very much a Julie issue, right? That's why she's so big. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say about it? Why does it say Beware Molecula, Mistress of Vengeance? Because they're trying to sell the book and it, it's kind of that sensationalized cover that's trying to sell what's inside more than what's, you know, what actually happens. Besides, she is going after vengeance, isn't she? Yeah. They stole her stuff. Mm-hmm. The kid should have been beware, right? Yeah. The kid should beware. Anything else you want to say? No. All right. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. You're welcome, Daddy. I love you. Love you, too. Shout out time. The quietest shout out ever. This is for episode 47, issue number 36, titled The Twelfth, featuring Matt Lazarus from WMQ Comics Podcast. AJ. Al Sedano and Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. The Art Classroom. CH0. Charlie Rose. Chris Reeves. Hey, Soup. David Adler. Dog Welder, 2099, who kicked off his Monday with a train journey, our podcast, and a giant mutant hunting robot. That's the best way. Oh, my God, that's frightening. Yeah, that is a <laughs> terrible, terrible way to have a day. A train journey? Ugh. Edgar Aguirre. Bozzy. Gary Key. Gary Key. Gibson Gray. Green Lantern HG, who thought that Carrie was the best part of the show. We do too. Yeah, really. It's We just ride her coattails. <laughs> Hal Jordan. Jeff Polier. Jeffrey Brown. Jeremy Klein. Jeremy Daw. This is one of his favorite issues. He felt that Boggs art is at the apex on this issue. He also mentioned that the children talking over speech seemed very real to him. Speaking of the man... John Bogdanov himself liked our post about the comic and shared a picture of his son dressed up as Tattletail. It was awesome. It was super awesome. Katie Pride, the owner of Books with Pictures, one of Portland's best comic book shops. Keith Baker. Kim Ellis. Limax 7. Delvin and Jared from the Long Box Crusade, winner of the 2019 Golden Typewriter Award. Matt Lazarowitz, the giant robot himself. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for voicing Master Mold. We hope you had fun. We did. And apparently they said that uh, he did such a great job, they thought he would also do a good job with Mephisto, mm. which Tim, Tim Price, Price is our Mephisto. So yeah. we've decided that Tim Price is going to do Mephisto, and he's going to do Lucifer Morningstar so that they could do a Dueling uh, Devils podcast, which we're going to make this happen now. <laughs> Matthew Fenner. Max Trevor. Michael Nerowitz. Mikhail McCann. Mr. Rogers Corps. Old Comics. Professor Frenzy. It's a show. Ramon. Reggie Yang. Sailor Bear Zodar. Sean in the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Tim Price, the irredeemable podcrasher. Waffles the Magic Dog, who said, awesome. And they love the bloopers at the end of our show. I mean, episode. Oh, that's going to be a blooper. Uh, <laughs> WMQ Comics. And Colin Stapleton and the worst comic podcast ever. Be sure to check out our other shows that we're on. Specifically, our junior agent submissions on MI6 rookie agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. 
Jeff and Rick Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of a drum and a shaker thing and another shaking thing. It's tambourine, a shaky egg, and a floor tom. Quiet, you. In Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internets, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Merck Presents, our Facebook page, Jeff and Merck Present, our email address, Jeff and Merck Present, all one word at gmail.com, at our website, Jeff and Merck Present.wordpress.com, or you can send us signals through your TomTom. Also, we have a YouTube channel at Jeff and Merck Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present. All one word. We are a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can, tell your friends about us, or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Movement Proposition. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. I'm going to uh, leave the gun and take the cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> so you have no. no clue where that came from, huh? Crash. Hmm. Let's talk. Oh, that's, my yeah, that's you. And now. Actually, do that again because I was talking over you. Just now, like I just did right there. Just like I did right there. Now. <laughs> Crash. Alex disintegrates the jar jar jar. jar. Alex disintegrates Jar Jar, and there was much rejoicing from the Star Wars community. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. Some Star Wars fans uh, appreciate it. Quiet you. <laughs> I mean, not me. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying so. Crash. Alex distinguished... Ah, distinguishes the Jam Jar. <laughs> Alex distinguishes that Jar Jar sucks. Yes. <laughs> you, sir. You, Jam Jar. I elevate you to knighthood. You're really, really great. And you, Jar Jar, I lower you down to the status of broken Jam Jar. Crash. Julie tries to use a different tactic and offers to buck up the person. <laughs> Julie Good going. A turban is an excellent fashion choice. And with that top, oh, magnifique. Crash. Alex. Al I do this. Okay. Al I do. I do it. All Jeez. Right. All right. You just have words. Crash. Da -da 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 Music.